Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Fuse 10 Questions, a show where we bring a different guest on each time to answer the set 10 questions on their time following Rangers. My name's Colin McDuff and I'm delighted to be joined this week by none other than Davey Pollock. Davey, how are you, mate? I'm smashing, Colin, and delighted to be on. Hopefully I share some of my nonsense with you. And we'll just uh, rattle through them, obviously. I've had a wee think about coming up with something which uh, the, the chaps listening can relate to, so they're uh, ready when you are. Nah, no, I've been really looking forward to this, uh, just for a bit of background for the listeners, when uh, me and Davey first started speaking about getting them onto the pod, um, we uh, asked for his number, he gave him a quick chat, uh, gave him a quick phone to chat through for the pod for five minutes, as maybe, and then we got talking and 55 minutes later, I was still there listening to some of the brilliant stories he's got, so Davey, um, hope I've not built you up too much, but I've been looking forward to this, I knew for that day, this guy's got a tailor to about following Rangers. Yeah, I don't adjust, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, I'm, obviously my name's David Paul, um, I was born in Cucadens, in Glasgow, so born in the tenement, you know, and uh, I'm one of six and five of us were born in the house. So that's just the way things were done then. It's only uh, my youngest sister who's actually got to one of those things which they later built hospitals, I think they're called. <laughs> so we, I mean, I just I was only there till I was about three or four, and and it was at that time, you know, not too far from Firhill actually. We 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 stayed in Kickardens. Uh, but obviously our heart lay elsewhere. We, when we were uh, younger, you know, my mum and dad had actually uh, arranged to, to move to Australia. And we were within days of going to the Broomalaw to uh, get on the boat. It was that close. Uh, but my mum, uh, just at, at the last minute, just kind of took cold feet and 
and says, no, I'm, I'm, she wouldn't leave her mum, who kind of stayed around the corner from us in Kilcadden. So, uh, so we ended up, and bizarrely, my brother had a wee look on the interweb, and we can now actually have a look at the house in uh, Tularan in West Sydney, where we were moving to. So we actually had a house to go to. So wow. I've, I've now had a look at the house, which, I mean, it's, it's the, the, the original sliding doors moment. Because we were only two days away from from leaving, and but my mum was uh, never one to take the easy option, so we moved to Easter House instead. Which was Sydney to Easter House. That's a that's a come down and a half, isn't it? That was uh, <laughs> yeah, not the easy option, as I said. Yeah, yeah, my mum was some character. She uh, she had kind of a, a large. I, I bear the stamp of her, you know, in, in several ways. But I mean, just to give you a wee kind of indication of uh, of what my mum was like. I mean, in days gone by, when you know you you went to a dinner dance, she uh, she was off the one, and I think it was it was something to do with uh, the local uh, street football team because Easter House was big in that with lots of football clubs. So it was some fundraising event. So her and my dad uh, trotted off in the finery. Uh, so they got there, and obviously there was an obligatory raffle, and. Uh, so she won the raffle, and the the prize in the raffle was a ball signed by all the Celtic players. So it, it quite quickly became apparent, you know, to the, the people who had uh, held the raffle that uh, she wasn't of that persuasion. So <laughs> they, off, they then offered her, said, you know, would you like to exchange the ball, you know, for, for an alcoholic drink, a bottle or something? She says, oh, no, 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 no. It's just, just give me the ball I'll take that home and my boys will kick fuck out of it. <laughs> so that, that's pretty much where it comes from, eh? You know, the, so yeah, it's, and and she was, I mean, I remember one time in, it was 1971, it was the Scottish Cup semi-final. I was, we were obviously very young, pestering the life out of her. We want to go to the football, we want to go to the football. And uh, this pretty much kind of sums up all our holidays when it was done, you know, with 10 minutes notice. Right, so she says, off. Oh, right, enough, let's go. And she took us over to Hamden for the 1971 Scottish Cup semi-final with Rangers and Hibs. And she'd never been in a football ground in her life. And me and my two brothers, she took us over. Uh, it was a one-each draw, Colin Steen scored. We, we, we actually lost the replay. I was sorry to say. And, uh, so it was, uh, it was 1970, yeah, it was 71 Scottish Cup final. And uh, the Hibs got pumped 6-1 with the that other mob, you know, in the final. So, but that's the kind of uh, early doors. So, give you a wee uh, flavour of, of of the household I came from. So, can uh, I on to number one, really? Yeah. So, just before we before I ask you these questions, so we've got the kind of background of you, the the stock you come from. The ten questions we're going to go on either purposely left vague. Um, it can be your own interpretation. How much? Just uh, was it a struggle to get one answer down for for every one? Was it all for every question? Was it a clear cut winner? And uh, no, some of them were uh, agonising. And and to be honest, uh, I've got I think one option. I've got the uh, best of three. You know, and you could probably put them in any order you like. So no, there's it was a uh, I've been, I've seen Rangers lots of times. So uh, best Rangers goal. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I mean, like yeah. I I could spend an hour on that one. 
So that is question number one. So your favourite Rangers goal. And as I said, we've left these vague, so this can be the best technical goal you've seen or the, your favourite goal that meant so much to the fans or just in, in the context of what was happening. So what have you got for your favourite Rangers goal? Uh, well, I've I've got a, a couple of options. Now, I've actually got three options, as you said, but the, the most te- technically brilliant was uh, the 4th of August, 1979, in Cooperman in the, the Driver Cup final. So I was in the Rangers' end. Obviously, we were a, a wee while, a wee bit away from because it was scored at the other end of the ground. But uh, we we uh, Sandy Jardin scored a brilliant goal that day as well. I mean, but, but Cooperman's goal was, uh, was was super special. Eh, when he just kept lobbing it over their heads. Next one, next, next. They seem to be queuing up. They seem to be in, in it. Uh, and then he and he flicks it past uh, the keeper. Uh, it was absolutely superb. Uh, yeah, Cooperman was was obviously unplayable in one days, but uh, that goal was is etched in my mm-hmm. heart. I mean that that game is etched in my heart. I can remember that that game vividly, just because it was it was an absolutely beautiful sunny day. We're all at Hamden. Sandy Jardin scored a worldly. Uh, I think it was we Polaris who scored the first goal, John McDonald, uh, which was also a good goal, and, and I think they scored one, and it was possibly Bobby Lennox who scored. Maybe maybe it wasn't, but uh, they scored. But, but Rangers they uh, pulverised them that day because that was the the same year as uh, they had beaten us four two at Parkhead when they, and they won the league when Johnny Doyle got sent off. I, don't know, I was at that game as well. Thankfully, it was never televised. But uh, that was a that was a sore one to take, and I, I think I've heard a couple of the Rangers players saying it was the it was the pain of that game that took them into the Driver Cup final to uh, to get their own back and, and exact some revenge on them, and they did because it was three one that day. But really, it, it could have been five six. Rangers uh, absolutely put them to the sword that day. It was uh, fantastic. But uh, the the game. Itself, you know, I've seen was was played out more of a few times, but the game was is, is etched in my mind. But just because of that Cooper goal, just because it was so special, you know, he, he gets the ball, he's back to them, and then just uh, does a wee dance around them. <laughs> Next, please flick, 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 goal. Uh, we had a we had a good day that day. I was I was a teenager at that point, but am I right in saying you started your apprenticeship the next day? As two days later, I started my apprenticeship on the sixth of August, which was the Monday, and we were at the game on the fourth. So yeah, two days after that. Uh, so Don't that was me. Really happy bear that day. Uh, well, we quite quickly find out who was who when I arrived. You know, because Wimpy had ten apprentices, and uh, I think that during the conversation of that morning, you know, we don't know who's who. Uh, we get the game on Saturday, and I said to this guy, "Yeah, I was at the good end," and he's saying, "What end was that?" He says, "The Rangers end." <laughs> so, <laughs> and he was he was of the other persuasion. So we were never drinking partners. <laughs> so the other one I had was uh, Pistol Pete you know in uh, the 2002 Scottish Cup final because uh, we were right at the corner that he ran to after he'd scored the goal which was uh, that was a cracking day and all you know those union flags we had a we had a wonderful day that day which lasted to the wee small years I, I remember which is we ended up back in Duke Street and in, in the Bristol we were uh, Straw hats and trumpets. But the end of the game, obviously, because the, I think Barry Ferguson possibly played one of his finest games for Rangers that day. Barry uh, was was the leader. And he came running to the touchline we were at as well when he'd taken his shirt off and, and after he'd pinged in the free kick. So 
that that was a special goal. And, and when obviously we'd left it, when, when Lovenkrantz scored right at the end, by the time, you know, we'd got up and dusted ourselves down and straightened our ties, when we turned around, the Celtic end was, it was empty. It was gone. And I don't know how they managed it. But the so, but that was a, what a day. What a day. I watched that game in telly and uh, it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, phenomenal game and Barry Ferguson was unplayable that day. But what a goal it was for Loving Grants, uh, the one you're talking about. If I had to really push you, Davey, well, I've actually got a third goal because uh, oh, this, one one. Also, this one's also super special for us because uh, it was in Copenhagen, which has just been mentioned. <laughs> when, when we went over, when Rangers played uh, FC Copenhagen in the Champions League, and it was the qualifier for the group section, and Shota get the ball drops over his shoulder and he hooks it at the end of the net. We were behind the goal in the parking stadium, which was, so we'd gone, we'd done the day trip over for that game. And obviously Copenhagen's not the cheapest place, so we're off to the supermarket, get lots of beers, and we were we were tanking into it. Uh, we eventually got into the ground, plenty of time. Uh, again, and Rangers scored. Arteta scored the first one with a penalty. Uh, they then equalised, uh, and then the Rangers. What Rangers played well that night. We, we did. We we actually deserved to go through. It was uh, it wasn't a fluke. Uh, so Arvaladzi pops it in 83rd minute, seven minutes were hanging on. It seemed like uh, 27 minutes for the, for the end of it. But we during that game at half time, one of the guys we were with, because we'd you know we'd carrying our stuff with us, he had a rucksack, and then we discovered at half time that we'd four cans of beer in the rucksack. You know, so we managed to. I mean, completely unwittingly, we'd taken it in. But you would have thought we'd found a thousand pounds because we'd found four cans of beer at <laughs> <laughs> half time. It was, uh, but that was good. We, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. I mean, if you were to put uh, thumb screws on me, then I would probably say my my favourite goal would have to be Cooperman's. You know, Driver Cup final because we will never see that the likes of that again. You know, but that was. Uh, Rangers go, but there's so many to choose from. So many. It's a very hard opening question with the amount of important goals and beautiful, technically brilliant goals that we've seen over since um, you know since the games started. Since the the games were televised, um, God knows how many how many we've missed in the days of Bill's truth and um, before uh, that we've not had the pleasure of seeing. But so we'll we'll put it down for David Cooper at Hamden in the Tiber Cup finals, your favourite goal. So question number two, here's to the weird and wonderful. Where's the, where's the strangest place you found yourself watching a Rangers game? Uh, in America. I was my girl was uh, staying over in Los Angeles, so I I took a wee trip out to see her, uh, and obviously the, the first thing you do is going anywhere bluenosebars.com mm-hmm. was because uh, I had a ticket for the uh, the cup semi final, the league cup semi final against Aberdeen, which I which I then gave to my brother. So I went over to see Fiona. Uh, she was staying in LA at the time. So we, once we tracked down the LA True Blues, we found out they were they were all get, getting together in the Fox and Hounds pub, which was in the Studio City, of Los Angeles, kind of bizarre town, Los Angeles. But so we had to get our arse over there. She's Rangers, and so we need to go get watch Rangers. So you had to drive us through uh, to the Fox and Hounds. Nine o'clock in the morning kickoff. So we got there about half eight, 
And then, you know, the bizarre, we're finding a wee space to park the car and guys in the street <laughs> walking past us with Ranger strips on. So that was, uh, that was a wee bit surreal. It was good. It was, they were a smashing bunch of guys. Uh, but that was, obviously the result was a bit shit. Was, uh, Ferguson popped one in just at the death day. Uh, uh, beat us one nil. Man. That was uh, But the 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 day was wasn't a total disaster because in the afternoon we then took ourselves along to watch LA Galaxy play Houston Dynamo. So we uh, she I I bought the tickets at this end and uh, she just had them sent to her. So we went along for that, which was good. The I got a wee surprise, you know, when the Houston Dynamo team came out, they were led out by their skipper, who is one Demarcus Beasley. Wow. So it was a wee Rangers connection immediately, so yeah, he absolutely strolled it. Uh, big Zlatan was playing with LA Galaxy, as was uh, Ashley Cole. Uh, they were 2-0 up at half-time and ended up getting cuffed 3-2, so it was a very much a mixture of players, you know, between, you know, Abramovich and uh, some other, you know, Ashley Cole and Demarcus Beasley kind of good quality professionals, but some of the, the players in the park would have been... Uh, Championship players in Scotland, to be honest. So, but it was it was a cracking day out, and it was just good to see, you know, the different experiences of of, of the game. <clears throat> but I was obviously in the stadium with the Rangers strip on, right enough, you know. So lucky man, like <laughs> that was a that was a tough game, Aberdeen. So I had to have the long walk uh, back to the pub, and it was freezing that night. I waited around my sorrows, and there you sunning yourself watching Zlatan Ibrahimovic strut his stuff. Yeah, we were sitting in the sun. We were sitting in the sun, ordering some just nachos. The, the food in the, the stadium in Los Angeles was was unbelievable, you know, because they ordered most things. It was a la carte. The, what a layout. Obviously, they've got the weather for it because it, it just never rains in Los Angeles. In fact, when my girl, uh, she had moved over there in the May, and when I over, it was obviously late October when, when we went, saw the game, and it had only rained one time. One day it rained, and, and the whole time she was in Los Angeles. So that's the kind of, I mean, I've since, you know, I was singing the song, you know, <laughs> the Broadway lights are clear. If they only had the Rangers <laughs> over here, so I was singing that too. And I had a Rangers uh, t-shirt, which I got when I signed up to the Rangers Lotto, and it was uh, made in Glasgow since 1872. And a boy stopped me on uh, the, we went to Santa Monica and a boy stopped me on the pier. So I'm loving your t-shirt, mate. It's all fine. So it is, it is indeed a small world. Did he, did he know it was a Rangers top or did he think you were born in 1872? He must, he might have been high as a kite. In no, LA. I, I think it was uh, that he thought I was born in 1872. <laughs> uh, I did see Rangers at the bottom of it quickly. Yeah. There we go. It said it made in Glasgow on, on, the, on the t-shirt, which, which is which not a lie because I was made in t-shirt. Uh, made in Glasgow. Mate, mate. In 1963, right now. Really shows you it is such a small world. It's, um we've got bears dotted all over the globe. Um, I was actually saying to Chris before, um, before I pod a few weeks ago that I, I think it was either Chris or Mason. I was chatting to that we our second highest listens um, for the podcast is in Sweden. It's the UK then Sweden. America, fuck knows why we've got such a big Swedish um, fan base. Shout out if you're listening to Sweden, but it just goes to show like all over the globe, man. It's it's heartwarming to see. Right. Well, I'll, I'll be expecting a few calls for uh, translation purposes. You know, say, well, what the hell does it? What was he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just speak a little slower for the Swedish people. <laughs> 
On to question number three. What's your what's your best away day or away trip following Rangers been? Obviously, uh, I mean, lots of candidates for this particular option. And, and again, I've, I've put down a couple. I've actually now I've put down three. You know, I'm, I'm, because uh, one of them was Katowice, which I think I, I, I spoke to you about before, eh, when we went to Auschwitz and hired the taxi driver. So, but for, for the for the Swedish uh, listeners, I'll, I'll tell you the story again. So we we went on the bus. And it, we left on the Sunday night, and it was a. Uh, I think it was, it was Big Stewart's bus. Big Stewart was on the bus anyway. Stuart Daniels, the, the Rangers community will know who he is. So we uh, left. Uh, we got there. We changed uh, twenty pounds sterling into twenty thousand zlotys. So we were mil- immediately millionaires. Uh, and so we we thought we'd because the Auschwitz camp wasn't too far away, and uh, it was a lovely sunny day, quite cold, but it was uh, very bright. So we hired the taxi driver between four of us, took us over to uh, Auschwitz for a wee tour of the camp. Said to the taxi driver, right, mm-hmm. stay here, we'll see you and when we get out. It'll be, uh, we don't know how long the tour will take. So we uh, in did the tour. Uh, we, obviously, the, there's the, the layout of it. It's, it's Auschwitz-Birkenau. So the, the the main camp is Auschwitz, which was kind of the admin centre. Man Mengele did all those nasty things. And then there was Birkenau where the, the big railway lines are run into the, all those sheds. And I mean, the place is absolutely horrific. I mean, just on a serious note for a moment, it is absolutely jaw-dropping that in, in, what happened there, you know, in an industrial scale. So anyway, we, we, we went on the tour and the chap took us all around the place. And, uh, you know, just horror story after horror story, mountains of shoes and suitcases and glasses and human hair and bloody hell, it's absolutely catastrophic and one of the blocks in uh, the, the Auschwitz was the punishment block so there was a few cells where the particularly nasty people get, get locked away and in the cell there was the wee shrine which was uh, lit up with a whole lot of uh, Virgin Mary pictures and candles and various you know, iconography of the Catholic Church and the host, the, the guy who's taken the tours tells us that the candle which is in this cell was lit by the Pope and he then explains to us that the Pope is very popular in Poland. So there was the, obviously the solemn silence at that point. Then one of the guys who was on the tour with us says, he's not very popular on that call. And so we then burst, <laughs> we then burst out laughing. And the, the chap who was taking the tour was, was less than pleased. Tour is over! And then just marched away from us. That was it. He never spoke to us again. So... Obviously, he didn't quite get the lark call connection, but <laughs> it's like that's like some of a still game clip, you know, that point where somebody says something, you know, you the absolute worst time you can break a giggle. And yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine the more you try and hold that in, the worse it gets. Yeah, it was uh, surreal, obviously, because you're not expecting someone to crack a gag at that point, which only made it funnier, to be honest. But when we laughed, the guy was not pleased. So we, we left and uh. Our taxi driver, amazingly, was still outside. He had waited the three hours that it took us to ground the camp, and he was still outside. And we're on because we're thinking there's no way in God's earth that chap's going to be there. But God bless him, he was. So we gave him another four dollars, and uh, he took us back to Katowice, back to our hotel, where, where we had uh, in the restaurant with and on the other table with the Italian referee and the two linesmen, and we were we sent them over some champagne. And uh, but the champagne came with a plastic cork, which uh, 
So we're not really sure it was proper champagne, but it was all there was. But we uh, left two lines over there, obviously. Never, not a word of English between them, but we were trying to bribe them with our <laughs> loaded lotties. As it turns out, Rangers, Rangers won 4-2 anyway. So we went to the stadium, which was a, a huge big bowl, uh, you know, a, a typical kind of Eastern European ground. It was probably capable of holding almost 100,000. But uh, the, the, so it wasn't Katowice's ground we played the game in because their ground was so small. So, but it was it was in Katowice, but it was a far larger ground than, than their home ground. But there were a whole lot of Gornick fans that came to the game, and uh, so they were behind one goal. We were, were kind of on the halfway line, and behind us were the Rangers entourage. David Holmes, we were chatting to David Holmes outside the outside the ground, got our photograph taken and things. So during the game. Uh, the Gornick fans are all singing at one end, the Katowice fans are at the other, and we're in the halfway line. There was there wasn't many of us. There was maybe there was less than a hundred Rangers fans in the stadium. But uh, all the Gornick fans at one point stood up and then started walking round towards us. So David Holmes, who was behind us, comes running down to speak to Big Stuart, Big, Big Stuart Daniels. He says, Stuart, Stuart, what's happening? What's happening? He says, Oh, it's okay, they're coming to you. they're coming to join us. So the Gornick fans come round and join the Rangers fans and then started chatting. Hey, Glasgow Rangers, Glasgow Rangers. So they, <laughs> they just joined in with us against the, the Katowice mob. So it was uh, surreal. So we never get back until the Friday night. I mean, oh, absolutely needing a blood transfusion by the time we get back from there. It was a uh, that was uh, it was a long haul to Poland on a bus. I can only imagine. The next one I've got is uh, the, the trip to Parma, which was when we actually lost 1-0 and Sherboni was in goals, but we'd won the first leg 2-0. And I was, we were trying uh, to get flights, we were trying to get uh, booked on a bus, and we eventually couldn't manage either. So I'd phoned Ibrox and says, do you have tickets for the away game? He says, yeah, come over and get a couple. So I got, so we, me and Sharon went with a couple of tickets. Could not get a flight anywhere. So the game was on the Wednesday. This was the weekend. And we says, do you know what? To hell with this. We'll just drive it. <laughs> no danger. <laughs> so on Sunday, we just threw the sleep bags in the car and off we went. Sent. So my sister stays in Gravesend in Kent. Uh, so we drove down to her. We stayed there overnight. Then it was a trip down to Dover. And then it was, I mean, I, we'd, we'd, 10 minutes preparation for this. This was a, a completely off-the-cuff decision to just drive it. So, <laughs> and I, I never actually realised until someone told me later that you have to adjust your headlights to drive in the continent. There was, well, there was none of that. They didn't even check the insurance. Just get in the car, let's go. So, onto the boat, across through France, stopped at Reims, but sh- cases and cases of beer in the boot. Uh, drove through there, through Germany, into Switzerland. Had to buy a year's road tax in Switzerland, at the border, between <laughs> Germany and Switzerland. Uh, and then drove through the Gotthard Tunnel, 22 kilometres long, which is like a game of Space Invaders. It just, you know, disappears to nothing. <laughs> Absolutely boiling hot. So we just got to the north of Italy, crashed in the car, and then we drove down to Parma on the Tuesday morning, so we arrived in Parma quite early on the Tuesday, so we got there intact, then had to find a hotel. Uh, we were on. We met the boys from the Burnbank bus, which we tried to get on, uh, but we stayed in a, a nice wee hotel in Parma. We met uh, Gianluigi Buffon in the restaurant the night before the game, 
so he was a uh, it was just a small place. I mean, probably the, the size of my living room, but and and he was in there. So, but obviously there was the conversation was fairly stunted because it was it was more about Parma Rangers, and I think that that was the only two words that both of us understood. <laughs> yeah, so that that was fantastic. Obviously, we got the result because uh, we lost one nil. But we'd gone, we'd won through, and that was us through the group sets in the Champions League. So we had uh, that was much whooping and a whopping that night, and all and all the way home. It was a long haul home, right enough. So, but it, that was just in the cuff because we we just couldn't get a flight. So just what the hell, we'll just drive it, and we did. Got Talk back. about a last minute holiday, man. That's that's something else. I think that, as I said, I think that's what I got from that from my mum because that's the way our holidays went when we were we. It was mm-hmm. you, ten minutes noticed. To go and get your swimming trunks, and then we were off to Rothsay or we were off to St Andrews or something. That's that's the way we did holidays. The, the other one I've got says Monaco when we uh, we went down there for that in the Champions League uh, game. Obviously, we pumped Sturm Graz in the, the first match, uh, and we booked flights to it was kind of Ryanair. I think it was a drive to Stansted and then Stansted to Genoa, uh, and then just hired a car at Genoa. Uh, just inside the Italian border. So we just hired a car. It was a wee pishy Fiat thing. So we drove down, didn't have tickets for the game. So we had to go to Monaco first of all, which is utterly bizarre. What a place Monaco is. So I'm driving about, you can places full of Lamborghinis and <laughs> Ferraris, and I'm driving a Fiat, bloody God knows what. And so the, I mean, just talk about sticking out. So we eventually, after a wee tour, we found the stadium because the stadium in, in Monaco is not dead obvious. I actually drove around it twice before, and then stopped one and someone and says, excuse me, where's the football ground? And they literally pointed across the road and said, there, it's there. I was I was about 30 yards from it and, and didn't recognise it as a football stadium because it's kind of on the first floor. The pitch is kind of up a level. So anyway, we in, got the tickets. We now need somewhere to stay. And then it was back in the car. Well, we obviously can't stay in Monaco because it's for squillionaires. So we just drove to Nice. Uh, and just got ourselves hooked up by a wee hotel. Uh, we just got to the tourist office. They says, go to this place. And we went to the hotel, checked in, bags down, danger strip on, out for something to eat and a drink. So walking down the street in Monaco, and it was a kind of uh, precinct area. And one of the, one, this guy stands up in one of the cafes and shouts, Davey! I says, Michael! So what was a guy I was at university with? And because I'd, I'd, I'd done my, my apprenticeship, then went done back, done some hires, then went to university, so I kind of did things in reverse almost. But Michael, who I was at uni with, he was. He says, I thought you might be here. So I says, what, what are you doing here? He says, I work here, I live here. He says, you're joking me. He says, where are you staying? I says, we're in some hotel down the road. He says, just go back and get your stuff and just come and stay with me. So... He says, I'll have to, he was, he was at work, he was he'd meet some, meeting some guy from work, so he says, come back in an hour, he says, and we'll, we'll, you go get your stuff, and we'll uh, head back to my flat. So that's exactly what we did. He then had a flat in the promenade de Anglais. You know, the big sweeping road, where uh, recently that guy drove a truck through all the crowds and on, on the Bastille oh, day, yeah. right on the, right on I, the I scene. I thought I recognised that, and I thought I was just, my ears were perking up because it sounds really fancy. That's... No, it was the, it's the Promenade Young, it's the big road which is in the bay at Nice, which is all the way around. Yeah. He used to hear the flat face in that beach. So we ended up uh, camping at his place, which you could have played tennis in his living room. It was 
absolutely beautiful place. So we get up the following morning. He says, I'm going, I'm going to have to go to work. He says, but I'll come home early. I'll go to the game with you. He says, smashing. Smashing, Michael. Excellent. So he says, there's plenty of beer in the fridge. Uh, just do what you do. So we did. And we uh, and when the Rangers fans are passing along the street, you know, singing like maddies, and I'm hanging out the window screaming, I'm like, oh, you're doing lads. And they couldn't quite believe it. You know, I'm hanging out the window with a Rangers strip on. So anyway, that afternoon, Michael gets back about three o'clock. Uh, he then gets on the phone call, speaking, you know, fluent French to whoever, right? He says, right, come on, we need to go to the game. So we went down, jumped in his car, and he drove us round to Nice Airport. And I said, Michael, what are we doing? He says, we're getting a helicopter. <clears throat> so we just jumped Jesus. in the we just jumped in the helicopter at Nice Airport and then flew round to, to Monaco, which is only 15 miles, something like that. So we obviously weren't in the, we were in the helicopter five minutes. But when we arrived at uh, the, the, the helipad in Monaco, uh, and we get out and we're, we're jumping at the helicopter with ranger strips on and about 100 yards away are all the French riot police who are obviously, you know, about maybe 300, 400 yards for the stadium and they're watching us, you know, climb up helicopters with ranger strips on. They're thinking, right, this is a wee bit more uh, serious than we thought. So it was just a walk round to the stadium, uh, five minutes into the pub, had a few beers and then then one nil victory. Who pops up with a winner? Gio Van Van Bronckhurst. So it was a good night. Straw hats and trumpets. It was a train back to, we never get the helicopter back, we get the train back to Nice. Had to slam it on the train, eh? Uh, I know, that's how the other half live. Oh, no, but Monaco is uh, just. Actually, in my wee tour of Monaco, we were at Sea the Bay where all those big yachts are, and and, and it's just completely mental. And uh, so I'm driving down, and just as I I realise I'm driving the wrong way, some, a guy chapped the window and I rolled the window down. He was English and he says, you understand, you're going the wrong way in a one-way street here. I says, <laughs> he says, mate, I've, it's just dawned on me. He says, but if you just go along, you know, maybe 50 yards, you'll be able to turn around. So so I did. So I'm going to get nicked in Monaco. <laughs> in fact, you know, on the other thing was in see the, the trip to Parma, I actually managed to get onto the autostrada in Italy without acquiring a ticket for the toll road. So when I got to the tour at the other end, I got fined and I had to to go to the the kind of uh, Carbonieri office, which was the local town, but obviously it chucked at the windy. So I'm probably a wanted man in Italy. (laughs) If I I go back, they'll clap me in irons. Because I still owe them something like bloody uh, 2,000 lira or something. Well, with interest now, that'll be a a, a pretty fine if you ever roll back. So if I have to push you for to pick one what, what one would you choose as your best away trip Davey? I think it would, t- it would have to be Monaco just because it was uh, completely surreal. See when we get back to the Genoa uh, you know after we you know the day after the game and we get back in the car see you later Michael we, and we actually went back to see him uh, about six months later and we took him some buck fast and things like that so because uh, he was still in Monaco he's driving, driving an Audi TT I said that to him I said Michael how come you're staying in Monaco in the Promenade de Anglais with a view of the beach, driving an Audi TT, and, and I'm in Stanyburn <laughs> with a lovely view <laughs> with a, sh- a shale bing, driving a, f- a clap to bloody 10-year-old golf. <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> Aye. So, how the other half Monaco, live, eh? It would have to be Monaco because uh, that was just nuts. And, and as I said, sorry, I was saying, when we get back to the airport and we beef Stern Graz, 
five nil in the first game. We've now got to the second game, so we've got six points out of six, and we're thinking the finals in Milan. It's not too far away from here. We could just fly back to Genoa for the final. So we were making arrangements for the final <laughs> after we played the second game. Talking about getting ahead of yourselves, Jesus. I know. So on to question number four, mate, and I'm going to put the pressure on you. I'm for, from here on in. I'm going to need one answer from you, um, mm. unless this will end up being a four-parter this podcast. Um, so question number four: What's the funniest thing you've ever seen at a Rangers game? Uh, well, this one was uh, it was funny, but it's surreal, bordering on surreal. And, and we're not going back there too far. 20, 2013, you possibly at the game yourself, when we, we were at Ibrox against Brecon, you know, during those years. And at half time, and I could not believe this, you know, my jaw was on the floor. When out, out, out marched the Mongolian army brass band. <laughs> I remember with, that. With dancers. And that is, this is, I could not believe it. So I was like, this is a wind-up. I'm waiting on Jeremy Beadle turning up. You know, because this, this is... Just, and then, the, the, see when they started playing uh, I'm uh, I'm Getting Married in the Morning. You know, the Mongolian army. You know, how, how that was a bit left field to start with. But then they had dancers on in the centre spot and then they, they started doing that kind of choreographed, kind of walking about thing. And I'm like, oh, Jesus <laughs> Charles Green, he's, he's on drugs. I, I just that was uh, I thought that was completely mental. Just, just when nuts. you were telling that story, there I've managed to find a picture on Google, and every every post on Twitter and Instagram of a new um, show will always have an accompanying a picture, and I think this has to go on. The, <laughs> I think this has to go on with it. I completely forgot that. I think yeah, there's so many things in those years that I've just tried to erase from my mind, and I, it's like brand new like information again when I hear it. But oh. I've no thought about that in a long time, Davey. The Mongolian army bloody brass band. Like, what? With with dancers. <laughs> I'm getting married in the morning. I'm like, this is this is mental, man. <laughs> <laughs> so that was funny. That was uh, oh, listen, there was, there's another cracking story when uh, here's a here very quick one. I'll make this one absolutely one minute long. When I was over in the game when we played Bohemians in Dublin which is uh, the only time I've ever been to a game of football and been genuinely scared that I'm, I'm not going to get out of here because it was absolutely nuts. But see, before the game, we were in a kind of, the, the, the guard kind of retreated and we were in a, in a no man's land. And there was a guy, we went to the chippy and there was a guy at the door of the chippy and he was saying, the, the staff behind the counter were Italian and he's screaming at them, serve chips, serve them chips. And so everybody, all the Rangers fans are queuing quite orderly, you know, getting getting chips and fish and all that. And then every time it, they handed over the chips, don't fucking pay them. Don't fucking... So <laughs> there was no money was changing hands and the big man was making sure that everyone was getting served and not handing them any money. And it, he just stood there and it, all the way down the queue, all the way back up to the counter to get served, right? Yeah, I'll have, I'll have fish and chips, served it up. Don't fucking pay them, right? Next. You get in there. So he'd taken upon himself to... So we were all getting free fish and chips, but in this bank, this they were actually terrified to uh, this big guy at the door who was telling them, "Don't give them any money." So they never got any money. <laughs> oh dear! So, <laughs> so the funniest things those Mongolian uh, Mongolian. I mean, Jesus! That was, I, 
it'll be hard to top that. It really will be hard to top that one. Um, on to question number five, Davey. Who's the one Rangers player that you didn't rate but everybody else seemed to love? Right, I'm going to fall out with some people here, I suspect, but uh, I'm, I'm prepared to go with it. I'm prepared to go with it. The, the name I've come up with uh, after, you know, kind of, wasn't a, a lengthy list, but there was there were some candidates, but it's Ray Butch Wilkins. So, wow. I just, MBE indeed. You know, so, the, the crab. Uh, and I know he's, he scored the goal against Celtic, but it was one of only two goals he ever scored for Rangers in 70 appearances. So, I mean, in all of that, he was obviously a smashing bloke. You know, you, could, you can just hear what people will say about him, that he was a... Uh, but in terms of his contribution to Rangers, I know everybody kind of wets their knickers, you know, he was a smashing guy, but his contribution to Rangers, I would say, ah, nah, done. When, when, I mean, the list of clubs Ray, Ray Bill Wilkins went through was, uh, is rather lengthy. You know, he actually played quite a lot after he'd left Rangers. And they then made a comment, you know, I, I didn't actually, uh, I wish I'd come to Rangers earlier. You know, so when you look at the, his career, you know, at Chelsea and then Manchester United, he was over at Sampdoria and AC Milan. And I think he only ever scored 48 goals. And I think he scored 30 then for Chelsea. So, I mean, for the rest of the clubs that he played for, uh, he, he never really, he only scored two and 70 for Rangers. And it kind of fell away from that. And it was, when the time he got to QPR, he had another two stints at QPR. So, eighty-four appearances for England, three goals. Sorry, there's, there's no doubt about the, his talent throughout his career. But I suppose probably your argument as a Rangers player, his Rangers career is probably yeah. he's not quite the legendary status. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's. I know he's has to acquired a status which I don't think his performances and his contribution can merit it. To be honest, so just my that. I had to be someone, and it's uh, it's Butch Wilkins. Oh, I can't wait to see the comments and follow follow about that question. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, on the other side, then, Davy, question number six. You your chance to present the Sasa Papach Award. So, who's your Rangers unsung hero? And it can't be Papach himself. It's, no, it's not Sasha. What a man he was. Yeah, he's the Mister Seven Out of Ten. So. Uh, Probably get slaughtered for this one too, but hey ho. Alexei Mikhailachenko. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, he could have given me 100 guesses and I wouldn't have guessed him. 110 appearances, 20 goals. 
He won the league in every season. He was with Rangers, five. One Scottish Cup, two League Cups. He was a league winner in the USSR, Italy, Scotland and the Ukraine. European Cup Winners' Cup with Moscow Dynamo, 1986. Beaten finalist in the Euros in 1988. He was uh, fourth in the Ballon d'Or in 1988. Uh, he was... Uh, I mean, you, you watch the YouTube footage. Some The, the guy was... Uh, he was special. I mean, he looked mm-hmm. a wee bit ungainly. You know, there was a wee touch of the Ted McMinn about him. But uh, he was technically... Uh, a superb player, superb player, and he's, you know, his track record by Rangers, you know, the, so twenty goals and one hundred and ten appearances, so one in five, you know, which is five he, league winners' medals. So the, when we talk about unsung hero at the time, do you think he, he's an un, he was an unsung hero at the time, or do you think he doesn't get the recognition he deserves when we look back, or is it a bit of both? Well, if you just compare him with the, uh, you know, the, the stature with which Butch Wilkins is held in, uh, you know, Rangers, uh, Alexei Mikhailchenko won the league every year he was here, every year. So we've never, <clears throat> and, and and his track record, you know, and the, the, the ability of the guy, for me, uh, twenty goals. You should go go through YouTube, watch his goals, top drawer. Uh, so we don't really much hear about. I think he's he's now the technical director at Dynamo Kiev. So. He's back there. He's still involved in football. He's still with Dino Kiev. So, Alexei, apparently, who was it was telling me about something? I heard the story about his, his wee uh, post-match routine was, uh, was to get, obviously get changed, get leave Ibrox. And he stopped in some uh, chippy in the West End. He would uh, he then get load himself up with a whole lot of chips and fish and, and then go across the road to the off-sales, buy a bottle of vodka, and that was him camping the house for the night. He was a creature of habit. <clears throat> you don't get football as a guy anymore, do you? Maybe Carlos <laughs> Pena, but there's a reason why he's not at the top level. Yeah. No, but Alexi Mikhailchenko, I loved big uh, Alexi was, uh, was a smashing player. There we go. So Mikhailchenko for the Sasa Papach Award. Davies Unsung Rangers hero. So on to question number seven then, mate. Um, we, we've tried to keep it as lightheartedly as possible, but what's, um, this one, we'll take it down. What's your biggest Rangers regret? Oh, this one is, isn't very light-hearted. I'm going to have to <laughs> turn, turn it down a couple of notches here. This is when, that point in time, where everybody sits down, they pour the whiskey, dim the lights a bit, right, let's, let's get serious for a minute. This is it, you know, this is, oh dear. So, for me, and it's, we're going back a wee bit, but it was not winning the European Cup in 1979. Because we, uh, after we'd beaten Juventus and PSV Eindhoven, you know, so we'd beaten a Juventus team that would, uh, that would most of which would go on and win the bloody World Cup. We uh, played a PSV Eindhoven team and beat them, you know, which contained a, a large element of the team that had got to the World Cup final with Holland. So we, they, they were absolute top seeds. So we, we've got to the last eight in, in the European Cup. And here was the opposite. Here are the other seven teams who were left in that competition. Nottingham Forest, Grasshoppers, Austria-Vienna, Dynamo-Dresden, Cologne, Wiesla-Krakow and Malmo. That was the seven teams we were up against to win the bloody thing. Obviously, we drew, we drew Cologne uh, and, and we lost 2-1 in aggregate. So, we'd, we'd, we lost 1-0 across there, but, but we'd, uh, we'd lost 1-0 in Juventus so, and come back and recovered it. Uh, and we didn't quite manage it. And here's my question of, of that tournament. 
Who the fuck is Billy Urquhart? No idea. Well, Billy Urquhart would uh, only ever played 14 games for Rangers. Two of them were against Cologne. So we'd signed this guy from Granny's Heel and Hame somewhere after playing him in a, in a pre-season fr- friendly. He only ever played, he sc- played 14 times. Billy Urquhart scored six goals. And the, on the away leg, uh, Derek Perlain played up front and Billy Urquhart then come on as a sub to replace him. And then in the home match, it was vice versa. It was Billy Urquhart who started and then Derek Perlain come on to replace him. This was in a squad where we had Derek Johnson who then come on as a defender in, in the return leg rather than playing Derek Johnson up front. So clearly we were light up front. The fact that we had to go to, uh, you know, get someone from a farm outside Inverness to, uh, to to rely on him to get us past Cologne in the European Cup quarterfinal, and and half of that team had played in Barcelona in '72, so they'd been round the block. So we they, they should have known what was required. And after having disposing Juventus and PSV Eindhoven, Cologne were well within our range. And then they obviously lost to Forest in the semi-final and, and Forest went on to win it. But uh, that for me was an absolute glorious opportunity to win the bloody thing. And uh, we, we fluffed our lines in the quarter-final. We'd, we'd lost 1-0 on the first leg. And then bizarrely, you know, when uh, the return leg at Ibrox, the game was cancelled and it was then played the following evening because the ground was rock hard. And if you look at the footage of it, you know, I think some of the players, the Rangers players, played in trainers that night because the ground was solid. So it, it wouldn't have been played today. It wouldn't have been played today in, in, in conditions like that. But we uh, we fucked that up. And and you look at the teams that we, we, we were left in that competition with and all of them were doable. All of them. So, and I could, I, I, honestly, that is, I, I still just get a wee tinge of what the fuck were we thinking about with Billy Urquhart? <laughs> I know, hindsight, eh? And it's how, how it could have turned out differently for John Gregg as a manager. Um, if, you know, if we'd done things a wee bit differently in 1979. Yeah, well, I mean, 79 was uh, it was obviously a big year because we had, John Gregg was within one game of winning the treble. Mm. You know, he got us to the quarterfinal of the European Cup. So I know Gregg's time is often seen as, you know, a complete catastrophe. It was very far from that. It kind of ran out of steam. Uh, but, you know, because after having the, the, the treble team, and in 79, you know, we'd lost the game 4-2 and then we pumped them in the August, you know, in the Driver Cup final. So, but the game against Conor, we were so looking forward to that game. And I, I remember we were counting down the days and you're thinking, because obviously there's the Mio oh, Mio oh, My song when, and when the Rangers win the European Cup. We were playing that full tilt yeah, in the days before that game, before and then it got called off. But that was a, a big disappointment. I think we we could have won it. We could have won it. Hey ho, oh, hey ho. What will be will be. Yeah. So on a on a happier note, um, you've mentioned a couple there. Question number eight. What's your favourite Rangers song? And keep this PG. Don't get me shut down. <laughs> no, no. This one's uh, uh, been ethnically cleansed. <laughs> No, the, my my favourite song is is a very recent one. It's uh, I mean it's and I, I on the first hearing of it is uh, every Saturday we follow, you know, and it's the Saint Phoenix version that that boy's singing it. And I actually saw I heard the song, and I thought that's cracking, you know, that's brilliant. We'll be belting that out iBooks. But then when I saw it with a video attached, that was it, you know. And 
that's me uh, that's now my go-to song for the bath <laughs> when we get a good result you know and I'm skipping around the house like a bloody a four-year-old I tell you what I totally get what you mean with the, the video attached as well obviously uh, last season 155 was the, the Rangers media social media and the media presentation team done an absolute sterling job and it was stuff I guess releasing these songs and these videos attached and it just it helps you feel a wee bit more connected even though you weren't at the stadium that was it's very hard not to get goosebumps and not to get in a fire in your belly when you hear that song and when you watch a video that goes along with it oh yeah I mean if that doesn't get your blood pumping we'll have to check you for a pulse because it's uh, that uh, that does it for me, and particularly when once you've seen the video, and then that video is in your mind when you do sing it, you know it's a uh, no, it's cracking. I'm like, and I know it's you know it's only a couple of years old. It's but every sad aye, it kind of sums it up. It's kind of it's quite short, and but aye, the times they happen hard, you know. So you know, I mean, nod to the. It's very fitting. It's very fitting. Um, this song and I think I, I hope this song stays for song this song stays sorry for years to come because it's an absolute belter so on to question number nine Davey we've had your biggest Rangers regret but so question number nine is if you could relive one Rangers moment day or game in your lifetime what would it be it was a toss up between two this is the one I kind of changed my mind on Give, I, I, give, me the, I, give me the two then, then make a de- decision at the end. Well, the, the, the first one that I'd uh, come up with was, uh, was December was de- December the 29th, 2018. Not very long ago, but obviously we were playing them and we were getting closer and, and Ryan Jack popped one in and uh, Rangers, Rangers were brilliant that day. We saw them off, we should have scored more. Uh, but when we got to the second half and, and we're getting closer and closer to the end, I actually didn't watch the last last 10 minutes of that game. I couldn't. I was actually, uh, I, was, I was getting beyond help at that point because I knew that we, we, we had to get over the hurdle of pumping them and this was our day. So I actually had to extract myself because I, I would have been apoplectic. I would have you ever seen a grown man cry? Well, I would have been crying had had that turned pear shape in the last ten minutes because we had played them off the park, and and that was the moment that I knew we had them, as as probably Gerard did, you know, and, and probably planned to do, but it was uh, such a big day, such a, a huge moment for us. That was it, and it was a uh, the whole thing set off by the Andy Halliday tackle in the first few minutes when he stands over the cham and pumping his fist and we knew from straight from the outset what was going to happen and Rangers continued in that vein all the way and we obviously we got the goal and then by the, by the second half with you know when it's getting 15 minutes to go I'm the beads of sweat are now on my forehead and I'm thinking you know I'll just stay so I just got off my seat and just went to the concourse because uh, had had they popped one in, I swear to God, I think it would have been the end of me. But obviously, we got, we, we got the result, and it was uh, that was a, that was a, a genuine you feel. I mean, because because on the road to fifty five, that was one of the milestones. Uh, it was a big milestone that we had to uh, get over that wall, and we did. So oh, we were delirious that night. 
Ibrox mm. was electric that day from start to finish. Um, uh, that was... Everyone could realise, you know, what was yeah. at stake here. That yeah, was, that was uh, Brendan Rodgers' first defeat in 13 old firm games. Wow. You mentioned there about milestones in the journey of 55, and I think in years to come, there's, there's, there'll be a nice wee maybe five, ten steps to 55 that you could do on Stephen Gerrard's time, and it would start with uh, um, the first Europa League run qualifying, and then first time beating Celtic, blah, 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 but the, that's for me that was the first time we properly felt unified between, there was that absolute connection and a unity between the fans, the players, the management in the club and we were all up for that and you just seen how much it meant to everybody. The first time seeing the players feel the same passion as the fans, that's that was huge. Yeah, the reaction at the end told you, you know, exactly how much it meant. Because normally you, you would we'd win an important game, but there was a that was a day when when we you would be hugging perfect strangers because it was that, that that's how big a moment it was. So it didn't matter who it was, you know, if you knew the Rangers fan, they were in it with you and, and we celebrated that together because we knew it was a big moment and, and it was just beautiful because it, we and we had done it. We'd done it. My other contender, and this is going back some way, so we're going back to 29th of March 1975 and it was uh, Easter Road when uh, we drew 1-H and we'd won the league for the first time that I'd ever known us to win the league. And... It tells you something about, you know, because uh, obviously you're saying, you know, those Easter House are, are East Street Urchins. Well, here's proof positive because uh, I wasn't even 12 and I was at the game, you know, and just on the train, you know, with me and uh, a couple of boys the same age as me, just down to the central uh, Queen Street station, onto the, the football specials off the Easter Road. Rangers fans were huge that day and all the way to the ground. We just followed the crowd just at Easter Road. Uh, and the, I mean, the official attendance that day is, is 38,585. But I hate my doubts about that because uh, it was absolutely rammed, rammed. And and when I come back and thinking about it, the, it was the same kind of reaction that day as to uh, the, the game at, at, at Ibrox in 2018 when the, the just the sheer relief. We hadn't won the league since 1964. So... I think Kilmarnock had won it more recently than we had in 1975. So uh, when Colin Steen scored the goal, I mean, it, the, the, the game itself, uh, I don't remember too much about because I know that they did, obviously, they went 1-0 up. Sandy missed the penalty. But it was only minutes later when uh, Colin Steen popped the winner in. Uh, and we had, I think, 25 minutes or something to wait for the final whistle. And then when the, 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 my, the bits that are seared in my memory of that game are, are, are mostly after the match when leaving the stadium going all the way up Easter Road because the, the, the Rangers crowd that day was I mean we had tens of thousands at Easter Road that day tens of thousands and it was just we actually climbed up onto one of the bus stops in Easter Road so that we could see all the Rangers fans streaming around the corner and all the way up and it was it was from wall to wall it was uh, scenes of untold joy because we had eventually done it we, and we'd waited a long time because it was this was to stop them 10 last time so uh, so if I could go back and, and just be a wee bit more appreciative of of the the, the carnival that it was, because all the way back to Waverley Station, on the trains, all the way back to Glasgow, that was uh, it was a travelling circus. So that would be that was good. So I'm going to press you. What one would you pick if you could only pick one? 
1975? I, I think I would have to go with 75 because it's uh, obviously lots of that uh, kind of is in the darkest recesses of my mind, which I'll probably never uh, be able to access again, having killed all those brain cells. <laughs> so, but so I would have to kind of refresh my memory by going back to do it again. It would be it would be 1975. Yeah, and as a special, as you say, the 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 first time you remember your team winning the league, um, it always holds a, a dear place in your heart. It's because I I I'd never known it because I mean I was I was one when the last time we done the treble in '64, obviously, which I'd, I was blissfully unaware
So they met, they met all the Arsenal players and they met all the Sunderland players and they were drinking for free. So I was like, bastard. <laughs> so I was sick. So I almost got to meet... I mean, I have met Ali McCoyst. I met him in Bennett's one night, which was uh, a long time ago. Is that why just, you're so fond of him? Well, it was. It, we used to get tickets when I was at uh, when I was at uni, and, and we'd get tickets for the Thursday night, which apparently was the street night, and, I'm, and that's my defence, right? So, but and we went along because we would get the tickets for Hee Haw, and they would do kind of drinks promotions. But when we went along on the Thursday, McCoyst was in there with uh, Mark Walters and Stuart Monroe, so we had uh, we so kind of a couple of exchanges. Obviously, we didn't want to plague the guy, so I have kind of. I had a very brief exchange with him, but that was my chance to go mm-hmm. have a few beers with him, which I, I told him to go and fuck off. Because so, <laughs> John Gregg famously said that, didn't he? He's had two chances to sign for Rangers, he'll never have a third, and then we did sign him from Sunderland. So, well, if I ever see Ali, I'll, I'll, I'll remind him of that story. And, and Aye, the, the don't tell me fuck on. off. <laughs> no, no, I'll apologise for that. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be gracious enough to say, sorry, Ali, I mis- misjudged you. <laughs> so uh, oh, that's pretty much it so Walter Smith um, I think Wattie, I only ever, the only time I've ever spoke to Wati was uh, again on a, another wee European adventure when we went down to Manchester when we played them in the Champions League so we were on the Blues Brothers bus from the south side. I mean, I, I think it's uh, is it uh, Shawlands or something that. So we managed to get a couple of seats on the bus. We had we had we had already arranged the tickets. So we went down there and we stopped at Southway at one of those uh, service stations. And we went into the service station and, and Walter was sitting there with a few guys. I think either I think one was his son, uh, but I don't know who the other guys were. So anyway. Walters, they're just getting up to leave as, as we're coming in. And I, I, me being a dafty, I had to say something. So anyway, I said to Walter, Walter, do you, do you think we've got a chance? And he, and he just kind of looked at me with a kind of almost contempt and says, Rangers have always got a chance. And they just walked away from me. And I felt I ate it. Now, Walter Smith death there in the person must have been terrifying. Aye, because, well, do you think we've got a chance, Walter? Rangers have always got a chance and walked away from me. Now, um, maybe I should have said something else. <laughs> Drunk another coffee, Walter. So that was my, my one and only exchange with Walter Smith. But he was on his way down to the game, obviously. And, and I think Fergie let us off the hook that night. We got cuffed 3-0. And Van Nistelrooy had scored a couple. And I think they were about 3-0 up. Gosh, it was early doors. If it wasn't in the first half, it was very early in the second he then just started uh, making substitutions. I think he let us off the hook because I, they would have pulverised us that night had they put their mind to it. So, you know. But Old Trafford, I wasn't that impressed with Old Trafford as a stadium. It says kind of a can of I just love the fact that you can get a pint at the game. That's uh, fucking alien to me, obviously. Um, I've, I've never known otherwise, but nah, I know what you mean. So, you'd finishing off there, you'd be going out for a pint to talk about all your stories, you know, your time following Rangers with Super Alley and Sir Walter Smith. It's a good night out there. Oh, it would have been, yeah, that would have been nice, yeah. Aye. I, I mean, could you imagine McCoy and, and Super, what the tales they could tell you? That, do you know, I'd want to ask them about the nine in a row, you know, who who were the dafties and 
just give me some of the, the background stories and, and, and all the antics you get into. Uh, oh, well. So, Davey, 10 questions done and dusted. How was that? Uh, cathartic for me, you know, because, uh, I mean, there's, there's calling it, to be honest, there's, we should do a programme in the, in the game into Dublin because that was uh, someday out. Uh, I can assure you. Well, it wasn't. It was more than a day because after the game in Dublin, we went to Belfast and we went to the Linfield Shamrock Rovers game in the European Cup the, the following night. So we 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 had a tour and Dublin was uh, was nuts. That's why, and I now know if I have first hand experience why Rangers will never be back in Dublin because that's the closest I've been to a war zone in in my life. It was. Uh, so- well, don't spoil the listeners too much because I know Chris Paul does have something lined up where we're going to have a, a show dedicated to European away trips and experiences. But just on Dublin, um, uh, some of the listeners don't know, uh, my, my partner lives in Dublin, so I'm over, I'm, I'm back and forth to Dublin every couple of weeks. And my, one of my first times out with the locals and folks she works with, uh, <laughs> I thought it was being funny and instead of saying how long you lived in Dublin for I said how long have you lived in West Britain and that sank like a lead fucking balloon Davy. Hi. Hi. Jimmy was it uh, Jimmy Carr is that is the comedian's name? Yeah. When he, he was in a concert in Dublin and his opening line was you know I think Ireland should be unified you know when you get a big cheer and then yeah. he says under British rule and they've got oh you got a big groan for that one. <laughs> well and I know Davey has been, and I'm not just saying this, I said it, I said it to you before we started recording, I was genuinely looking forward to this and you didn't disappoint. Thank you for telling me all your tales of following Rangers. No problem, Colin. Thank you for uh, listening to all my nonsense. Eh? It was, eh, it's, it's good fun and, and good fun recollecting some of the, the, the madness. I mean, there's uh, there's loads of other stuff. As you, as you said, you know, we could, we could do programmes and, and, and individual trips for some of the carry-ons, PSG, I mean, don't get me starting that. <laughs> so, and a massive thank you to all the listeners as always, um, and just a call to arms, we've all got our stories and all, all got our, our memories and the moments that mean something to us. If you want to come on and talk about your time following Rangers, answer these 10 questions, we'd love to have you on. Um, it doesn't matter if you're part of a young team, and 55 was your first title, or if you're like Davey and you've been, you're, you're fairly long in the tooth following Rangers, get in touch, we'll get you on. We'd love to hear from you. That's all from us. Thank you very much for listening. Take care, and we are the people. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.